On this episode of the Fellowship Podcast by CMF International, I will be interviewing Joe Clough, a CMF Church Catalyst missionary in Kenya. Joe and I will be talking about disciple-making movements, which are often referred to as DMMs. This will be the first part of a two-part conversation I have with Joe about DMMs. So in this first episode, Joe will share with us some of his personal stories about his transition after years of traditional institutional church planning ministry to a focus on disciple-making movement ministry. Joe will share with us the difference between a church planning movement model and a disciple-making movement model, and he's going to share with us the key principles behind DMMs and how he is, in his own ministry, focusing on starting disciple-making movements. I'm your host, Jake Moore. Welcome to The Fellowship. Hello and welcome to the Fellowship Podcast by CMF International. I'm your host, Jake Moore, and I am joined today for this special episode on disciple-making movements by my friend and colleague, Joe Clough. Joe Clough, welcome to the Fellowship Podcast. Well, thank you, Jake. Ah, it's great to have you here, man. You are truly a legend within CMF, a missionary with almost 25 years of experience on the field. You said to me earlier... You 25 years, February 20, 2021. Is that correct, man? Well, 25 years since I affiliated, it'll be 25 years on the field, as you just said, starting February. So wow. I'm old. Yeah, you're getting getting up there. You're just, I would say, more like a, a wise sage. You're like the yeah. Jedi. You're, you're hitting the master level of the Jedi uh, realm. There we go. Man, 25 years of ministry with Christian Missionary Fellowship but serving in one specific country. And so I'd love to ask a little bit about your background, uh, the, what those 25 years of ministry have looked like and what your family's been up to in Kenya of all places uh, for the last 25 years. And my hope is that as we're hearing a little bit more about your story, that you can set the stage for us to talk then further about disciple making movements and discovery Bible studies. So tell us a little bit about your family and uh, about your ministry over these last 25 years in Kenya. Yeah, I uh, when I entered uh, Kenya in February 1996, I was a young, ide- idealistic single guy. Yeah. Well, maybe not so idealistic. But, <laughs> um, and so my first role on the team was that I was the field business administrator. I was oh. there short-term assignment, which Mm -hmm. in those days was anything less than two years. Mm -hmm. Um, So we started off, I was doing the FBA, Field Business Administrator role. And then after that, I transferred out into uh, rural Kenya and helped some churches establish youth programs. Mm -hmm. Um, And then after that, my initial short-term term was over. I then re-upped and came back as a long-term career missionary and um, still a single. Yeah. We, um, I was focused more on helping, trying to pastor some pastors of churches in er Uh in certain areas in rural Kenya. The CMF team started in 1977. Okay. And if we go by the metaphor of uh, planting, parenting, and partnering, in ministry. When I arrived in 1996, we were pretty much transferring out of the planting phase as missionaries and 
moving into the parenting phase. And so at that time, my role was to help these pastors uh, get more established in the faith and and uh, pastor their churches better. You say you saw yourself as a pastor to the pastors in a lot of ways. Yeah. And then uh, and then we began to shift from the parenting phase into the partnering phase with these yeah. churches. And so uh, my role shifted as well. And I worked with a number of the leaders to to legitimize the church structures, uh, meet all the government mm. requirements, all of those things. Yeah. Um, and in the midst of all that, I'd been on the field for 11, 12 years. Mm -hmm. I was um, made aware of a lovely lass working <laughs> in a senior office by the name uh -huh. of Kim Beek. And she, uh, her her um, boss at the time, Jeff Pruce, go Jeff. Yeah. Uh, he was, uh, he said that we needed to get together. Uh, the problem was at the time that he told me this, we were on Mount Kilimanjaro. So I'm like, dude, seriously. <laughs> Mount, he's and, having a mountaintop experience and telling you about camping. Yeah, like, right. We got to make it down the mountain first, dude, before I can That's even think right. about it. That's right. And so um, shortly thereafter, this was 2005, I went on furlough and Jeff, together with David Giles, conspired to make sure that Kim and I had multiple meetings while on furlough. Perfect. Love was in the air. <laughs> and so then uh, we got married in 2007. Okay. And I've uh, been ministering with Kim uh, since that time in Kenya. We have two children, Sophia, who's 10, and Theo, who's eight, mm -hmm. who also uh, are a part of our ministry as well. They're two of our really cool prayer partners in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think what's so fascinating uh, when I hear that kind of breakdown and it, I mean, you really did a general breakdown of your time. Uh, I think people might like even miss the details of the, the myriad of ways that you've served the team as well as the church in Kenya. Um, mm. And so I'd love to do two things real quick. And that is first get a sense of like the chunks of time that you serve. So yeah, you talked about short term. Most people, when they think about short term now, think about it like a two week trip. Maybe like I've literally had conversations with college students where I've talked about a summer reach internship for two months and they'd be like, oh, well, I'm not interested in long-term service. I want to just do like a one week or two week trip. I'm like, what? wait a second. We got to reframe that you think about missions timeframe. So tell me real quick, how long was short term in the 90s for a CMF missionary? And then how long were your subsequent terms as a single after that? Yeah. Yeah. And back in those days, anything less than two years was considered short term. Mm -hmm. And so I initially upped for a two year term of service and it was split between the FBA field business administrator role for a roughly a year. Mm -hmm. And then the um, and then working with the youth uh, for the following year. Yeah. It, then we asked, I asked my donors, can I extend that? So it became almost a three-year term. Okay. Went back to the States, um, attempted to work on my master's thesis, mm -hmm. uh, but was no longer into such. And so to <laughs> much to my mother's chagrin, I never completed my master's. Ooh, rebel. <laughs> yeah. But she still loves me. Um, <laughs> 
And then I came back to Kenya long term. In those days, it was either a four, three or four year term. Mm -hmm. on the field. And we've been there since. And so the it would have been roughly 2001 to 2005, mm -hmm. 2006. I was focused on um, working with uh, the church leaders, kind of doing that, uh, pastoring the pastors in different areas. Yeah. And then starting uh, 2007, 2008, shifting to uh, to working on the legitimizing functions of the mm -hmm. church network that we have. Mm -hmm. And so now, uh, because we're in the partnering phase, the churches, they have the number about 300 congregations wow. in different parts of Kenya. And they, they're called Community Christian Church or mm -hmm. CCC. They have their own government registration and they maintain and take care of all of their own day-to-day -day functions in the church. And we now partner with them as a CMF team. So my my that focus lasted all the way up until about 2015 mm -hmm. is when I made the shift from uh, working alongside the CCC churches exclusively to now focusing on DMM. And uh, as a missionary, how can we uh, reach yeah. the loss that way? Okay, well, that's a great transition for us for sure. I wanted to ask real quick, did you see young men and young women that were a part of your youth program in those early days follow through into the, your, your pastoring of pastors? Were any of them, some of those pastors, a part of your youth group, uh, your youth work at the time? Or being there for 25 years, I'm sure you've seen life transitions for a number of different people. Yeah, I was. We were really blessed uh, when I walked into the the youth ministry kind of setting up youth program role. Uh, there were already some key, awesome young people who were involved, and those people and I, we kind of came of age together. So even today, uh, we still work together. They are uh, leaders in the church who are now handing off leadership to those who are following. And uh, we oh, get cool. together and we, we kind of laugh and we, we compare, you know, how the male pop pattern baldness is coming along for each one of us and that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. We're still there and we're still doing it. And, and I yeah. love it. They helped make me who I am. Yeah, that's, that's really neat. It's an iron sharpens iron type situation in a lot mm -hmm. of ways. Uh, that's really a true blessing that you've been able to see that and see them come up in the faith as well as in come up, to come up uh, through leadership in the church. That's really neat. So you're in a phase now where you've moved, like you said, out, out of the partnering piece and are focusing, maybe we should say not necessarily moved away from partnering, but partnering on a greater scale. And it's through yeah. this idea of disciple making movements, mm -hmm. uh, where throwing the acronym around DMM uh, quite a bit um, for someone that's listening to the podcast that maybe is not familiar with the term uh, disciple making movements, or maybe for someone that has heard the phrase, heard the term, but not real familiar with what it means. Could you unpack that for us in some layman's terms? Like what is a disciple making movement? Um, no, let's start there. What, what is it? What are we talking about when we say that? Yeah. Yeah. The way I define it is that I, I divide it into four categories. I say it is prayer saturated, mm -hmm. Holy spirit led, obedience-based, reproductive disciple-making strategy. So those four. Um, and really it's, 
the, the, the history of it all began a little over 30 years ago, a number of missionaries, Southern Baptist missionaries with the Southern Baptist International Mission Board uh, were working in various parts of the world. And a number of them, they were using what was in those days called CPM, Church Planting mm -hmm. Movement Strategies. Mm -hmm. um, and a number of them, they would have in their work, they would have with a crisis of ministry, not a crisis of faith, but yeah. a of ministry where you just hit the wall and you, and you say, okay, Lord, what am I doing? You know? Mm -hmm. And so they were driven back to the scriptures and they would start by asking Lord, what did you do? And they would go through the gospels. They would go through acts. They would go through the epistles mm -hmm. and actually say, use uh, the commands of Christ and the apostolic model as normative to say, this is how we want to try to get the gospel into these communities. Mm -hmm. And so it was known as church planning movement or CPM up until the mid aughts. Mm -hmm. um, and they were having a great success in different parts of the world. And, and this was all the reproductive di disciple making obedience based, Holy spirit led prayer. Yeah. Boom. All there. And then in the mid aughts, um, one of the key practitioners, uh, David Watson, was working at this point with a group called City Teams, mm -hmm. and they started seeing these uh, movements in West Africa amongst the Muslims, hmm. and they uh, wanted to differentiate a little bit what they were about because uh, they, they, they decided, hey, our focus as outsiders is not to go in and plant a church. It needs to be contextualized. Mm -hmm. Rather, let's focus on making disciples and then let those indigenous disciples form the church mm -hmm. in a contextualized way according to the scriptures. Okay. And so it began to shift from CPM, church planning movements, to DMM, disciple making movements mm -hmm. in the roughly in the mid-aughts. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, there's a, another layer of complexity when we use the lingo mm -hmm. and um, we had all of these other missionaries who were doing the CPM work and um, they uh, gave their work various titles as well. Yeah. And so you have DMM as kind of an umbrella term, disciple making movements. Mm -hmm. But then you also have DMM as kind of what David Watson and city teams focused on mm -hmm. as opposed to T4T and four fields and all of these other methodologies mm -hmm. that the other CMF as the CPM practitioners used. Okay. So it, the lingo is a little bit confusing because we have sure. Watson and we also uh -huh. have DMM as an umbrella term. Okay. Um, and so trying to get those two clear. Yeah, no, that's helpful. Um, and, and just to clarify, too, the difference between a church planning movement and a disciple making movement really would be that missionaries going into a context under the CPM model were trying to start a church that would become self-replicating in some way. But under the disciple making movement, someone, a missionary or even a national partner is trying to develop more disciples that will make more disciples so it, it maybe someone could say they're splitting hairs but you what you're saying is the focus is slightly different 
and that you're you're trying to not say we're not establishing yeah uh, like an organization we're establishing mm. relational based ministry uh with people would that would that be the way to divide the two a little bit yeah uh let's yeah if we go by by the two designations let's let's call one cpm and, and one dmm dmm david watson yeah city teams and uh the all of them of course want to see bunches of churches all over the world sure uh, the CPM model, you're basically focusing on small house churches, and they've seen great uh, uh, fruit. Mm -hmm. And DMM, we're going to focus first on making the disciples, and those disciples will will then plant the church. And so what uh, the DMM Watson model does is it says, we're going to start with lost people and slowly disciple them into the faith, and, mm. and then a church forms, whereas the CPMers, are are using kind of what we would more traditionally say as as uh, evangelistic methods going in and presenting the gospel getting an immediate decision and then because you've got an immediate uh conversion you're gathering a group of believers and boom that's a church right from the out mm -hmm. so it when does the church form in the two models but really, uh, we don't want to get caught up on that because there's so much overlap and and everyone, as they contextualizes the uh, movement and efforts in their areas, they're really borrowing from the, yeah. different, the different strategies. Yeah, uh, I always told people they, you know, talking about my own ministry in Ethiopia, they'd be like, oh, how did you come up with this idea? Or how did you come up with that idea? And I always said, I think the mark of a good missionary is when they beg, borrow, and steal ideas from other people. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I had zero original ideas. I just repackaged them uh, from different people that I looked up to or read uh, what they were doing and tried it myself. So this sounds pretty familiar. <laughs> okay, so disciple-making movements. And it really seems to fit within this idea, like you're saying, that you're you're having faith-based conversations with people. You're leading people along towards a moment where they encounter the gospel, but you're not bringing that into the forefront of a conversation from the first time you meet somebody. It's one way of kind of seeing what you're talking about with the disciple-making movement. Yeah, yeah. So when I say, okay, prayer, prayer saturated, Holy Spirit-led, I mean, mm -hmm. all these efforts are good, need those too. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're we must be people of prayer ourselves, and we must also mobilize prayer mm -hmm. because Jesus said, "The harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. Mm -hmm. Pray earnestly, therefore, to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers unto His harvest field." Okay, Jesus said it; we do it. Pray yeah. earnestly, Holy Spirit led. This is not our work. What's the? Let's see. What's the Bible say? John chapter. 16, <laughs> Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is, of course, the farewell discourse. Mm -hmm. Did he say that? Um, John chapter 16, we get to uh, verse 8 or 7. I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. So Holy Spirit led, it's his job to convict mm -hmm. me. It's mm -hmm. not my job right. to grab people and say, you're going to hell, you know. Right. My job. My job is to find the laborers 
who are going out into a harvest field that is already ready to be harvested. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and, and in many ways, you're even saying God is big enough to handle this aspect of the ministry that you're going out and you're laboring, but God's at work in and through your time with people that need to hear the gospel. Yeah. 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 It's, it's really been a, a challenge for me, you know, as, as I've gone through many years of ministry in Kenya, um, you know, I, I have a pretty good sense of someone's tracking with me or if someone's trying to con me and, you know, things like that. And so I, I think, Hey, I get this. But when it comes to, to knowing who the Holy Spirit is working on, I don't get it. I need to pray and ask him and then go. And mm -hmm. then he shows me what he's doing. And I often don't realize it until after the fact. But that's a matter of, of I just need to trust him more and do what he tells me to do. Yeah. So let me hear again the four points of disciple making movements. So, yeah, this, and this is my definition. It's I yeah. say prayer saturated, prayer saturated, Holy Spirit led, Holy Spirit led, obedience based, obedience based, reproductive, and reproductive. So what that's going to do is prayer saturated, Holy Spirit led. Okay, the Holy Spirit is our lover; He's in charge. Mm -hmm. And then obedience based. That's where. We'll, we'll talk about it later, but that's where the discovery Bible studies come in. Yeah. Okay. And then reproductive, that means it's got to be simple. We're constantly mm -hmm. looking at what we do and say, how can we simplify this? Yeah. Keep it simple, stupid, right? The KISS exactly. acronym comes in. So many acronyms being thrown around. <laughs> like a military training manual. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So you've had now... At that point, by 2015, you're starting to see some shifts and changes in your own ministry. You're getting exposed to these concepts and principles mm -hmm. with disciple-making movements. How did you make that shift? How has the church reacted to that? Uh, you know, you've came, you came kind of from a traditional uh, church planning movement kind of model with mm -hmm. the Maasai team in Kenya, but then around the 2015 time frame, how did that shift happen for you and for the Kenya field team? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, my first real exposure to these, these multiplication movement style, uh, things, uh, was in 2012 on a furlough. David Giles took me up, uh, to a conference, uh, which had, was led by a number of church planning movement strategists. Uh, Ying Kai was there, Steve Smith, um, Jeff Sundell and others. And I, I really wasn't ready to hear it at the time. I was still very much involved in stabilizing the CCC churches in Kenya. Mm -hmm. And so it was a great time to spend with David, but you know, I, I didn't really uh, grasp onto it. Yeah. When I came back the following furlough, um, the, the term in between the was really hard for me. We had back-to-back -back conflicts on our team. Uh, I was directly involved in one of those. Uh, we had succeeded in my ministry of, of legitimizing and stabilizing the CCC churches. So my work was done, praise God. Yeah. Uh, I had $3,000 a month to raise and support. And uh -huh. I was just beat up and asking myself, do I even want to go back? Mm. Um, so at the very beginning of our furlough, this would have been the beginning of August 2015, mm -hmm. we were 
we packed up the kids and we're doing a long road trip out west to visit supporters. On the way, we stopped at a guy's house. I did not know him well. He's a widower. Uh, I knew he was heavily involved in missions. So Kim takes the kids upstairs to put them to bed in, in the evening when we're at his house. And uh, I'm downstairs with him. So I'm doing the polite missionary thing. And, right. and I say, uh, so tell me, what do you do? And, and he looked at me and he said, well, my day job is renovating houses. Mm -hmm. But my real passion is making disciples. Hmm. And I said, that's exactly what I said. Huh. Tell me more. <laughs> Yeah. And we began to talk. And as, as we began to talk, God brought to my mind the 2012 conference I went to with David. Mm -hmm. um, shortly thereafter, I got a book by uh, David Watson called Contagious Disciple Making. Um, and then a few months after that, that was August 2015, January 2016, David Giles brought in David Watson to talk to many of us. Oh, cool. Road Church. And that's where the transition came for me, where I said, okay, um, I'm I'm done trying to organize the church as an institution in Kenya. Mm -hmm. It's time for me as a missionary to go out and reach the lost for Christ. Cool. Wow. Well, that's interesting. And in, in a lot of ways, your exposure to the principles and the strategies sound a little bit like someone that's being exposed to a, a DMM program uh, or DBS. You know, it took a little bit of time. It's the Holy Spirit working in your life. Yeah. Uh, prayer saturated. So you're praying yeah. like crazy, trying to figure out what to do. And the Holy yeah. Spirit's working and finally gets you on that right track. So that's that's pretty interesting even to think about mm -hmm. how it parallels. Um, okay. So... Going into 2016, uh, you are making this transition in mm -hmm. what you're thinking about for your ministry, and you're headed back to Kenya. And yep. you're saying, I'm not doing the, the institutional aspect of what church planning movements maybe looked like uh, in the past. And for you, for what that would have been almost 20 years of ministry at that mm -hmm. point, you're like, okay, I, that was my 20 years, but now I'm moving into a new phase with mm -hmm. ministry. How did that happen on the field? Like you've had this revelation, like you've got, you're understanding the theory, you're understanding the idea. Mm -hmm. What did implementation look like? And what did uh, community Christian church think of this in Kenya? Like these pastors that were in your youth ministry ministry that then became pastors and leaders in the church. What were they thinking in all of this? I know that's kind of a loaded question, mm -hmm. but how did you make the pivot? How did you transition yeah. and who's come along with you in this idea? Yeah. Yeah. We uh, we got back. Um, and the first thing in our, I had already decided was that I needed to be a person of prayer. And so I had let go the discipline of prayer and fasting um, for a number of years. Uh, I did it when I was single missionary. But, um, you know, little kids come along, stuff like that. You, you're just in survival mode. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I, that's the first thing I did is, is uh, I started uh, praying and fasting one day a week. Mm -hmm. When I returned to the field in uh, 2016, uh, thankfully, my team, we've got a great team in Kenya. Mm -hmm. uh, they said, OK, Joe, we're going to kind of give you some time to figure some of this out. Um, and so they had, took some things off of my plate. Mm 
mm-hmm. some of those legacy things off my plate so I could focus on it. Um, the CCC churches, the leaders came to me and they said, hey, Joe, uh, we want to start our own mission, mission agency. Which oh, wow. Great. I mean, isn't that cool? Yeah. And I said, well, that's fine. I'm willing to help you out, provided that we do it differently. Hmm. And so they you didn't did. want to just replicate CMF Kenya. Like you didn't right. want to just make the right. same. same right. Because, you know, there's, there's uh, such a, a high level of organization and funding needed to keep what we do as CMF going that yeah. we cannot replicate in Kenya. So um, the CCC church has said, here are eight guys. They gave me a committee and said, you know, you work with these eight guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I said, okay, fine. And so we brought in, there's another organization in Kenya. It's a Kenyan ministry that does DMM. They're Kenyans, brought one of the guys. We had a conference, a seminar with these eight people from CCC that I'd known for years, myself, few others, and this uh, Kenyan DMM practitioner. We went through it. Um, I could tell that it went over the heads, right over the head of most of those eight guys. Yeah. Um, We had some follow-up meetings, kept talking about it. And uh, the, what ended up happening, which didn't surprise me at all, because all eight of those guys are leaders in the conventional institutional church. They're all busy. They're great guys, but they've got their, their plates full. Mm-hmm. What we did partway through is we um, said, okay, we're going to model multiplication. So mm-hmm. I want each of you guys to go back to your home areas before our next meeting and bring a disciple next time. Okay. Your own disciple that you're making. So they did. So we went from eight to 16. Right. And out of those disciples who are younger guys, not as established in the leadership, kind of more on the fringe, out of those, I have three guys who are, I think, who are going together with me. Okay. You know, so they're the second tier. They're like, if we were to make it a, a biblical example, the uh-huh. Pauls and then there's the Timothys. And these are right. the that we're talking exactly. about. Here. So I'm, I'm working with the Timothys because mm-hmm. in this case, the Pauls are already um, are already leaders in the institutional church. They're already pastors. They're too busy. It's right. not part of who they are. Yeah. Let them go. God love them. God bless you. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, but because those initial leaders, those initial eight were uh, exposed to all of this, we have them as advocates. Yeah, that's huge. Even though they're not, you know, involved directly. Yeah. And then yeah. the follow-up guys are who I run with. Yeah, who you actually run with. But I think that that's huge because it it's not that – so you're saying you didn't, like, turn completely away from community Christian church. You didn't say, all right, new ministry, mm-hmm. and just jettison it and take off. You said, no, I want to work in conjunction and partnership and even have them, like you said, advocate for you in this new ministry model. And I think that that's huge. It's mm-hmm. still continuing that vein of partnership, like you said, of the three right. things, the, what is it, the, the uh, planting, partnering, or planting, parenting, partnering. You're still in that partnering model, but it's mm-hmm. taking the church even in many ways into a new direction uh, together, yeah. having them advocate for you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Fellowship Podcast by CMF International. 
And be sure to check out the next episode to find out what implementation looked like for Joe in Kenya and to get a grasp on the strategy and tactics of DMMs and Discovery Bible Studies. In the next episode, we're going to get into the nuts and bolts of what his ministry looked like and ways that you can implement some of these same strategies and tactics in your own ministry. Now, get out there and saturate your ministry in prayer and see how God can start a disciple-making movement through you.